Hey, Oasis Church Chicago, Pastor JP here. Hey, we're so glad that you're joining with us on our podcast today. I pray today that this message stirs your faith, that it builds you up, that it draws you closer to the Father's heart, and ultimately that you just feel the embrace of heaven. We would love to stay connected with you and you to stay connected with us. So please feel free to check us out on our website, oasischurchchicago.com, or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Also, you can be sure to join with us on our live stream on our YouTube page every Wednesday night and Sunday morning. Now here's today's message. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I am both honored and terrified to be up here today, but that is okay. That is okay. I, you know, yes, it's Mother's Day and I should be resting. However, I am excited for what the Lord has put in my heart and I'm excited just for, um, to be standing up here. Uh, If any of you guys were at Wednesday night prayer, um, I wasn't, I was watching. I was with Titus at home and I just began to weep because there was woman after woman coming up to pray. And it blessed me so much because women in the house, you have a voice, you have a mantle and a call on your life in the kingdom of God. Right, like not just in your job, not just in your family, but like in the church and in the kingdom of God. And so um, I'm, I'm excited to, to further that. I feel like Wednesday paved the road for that. And so I just want to affirm every woman in this house that you have such a mighty role, not just until you're a mother, not till you get to a certain age, like right now in this season, you have a role in the kingdom of God to play and in, in building his church. And so I'm not preaching a message on like, motherhood or womanhood. I'm actually just continuing in our prayer series and I'm really excited about it. This is the first, um, this week we're going into our first practice with O groups. And I think it's, um, some of you might be asking, what do you mean we're we're practicing prayer? Well, you're gonna hear more about that uh, today and following weeks after this. Uh, But today we're starting off the series after our intro from my husband uh, last week, we're starting off the series in uh, a prayer of adoration. And I thought it was really fitting that on Mother's Day, I was preaching on adoration because how often do, just parents in general, do we ever actually get thanked um, from our little ones? And I was just kind of resonating on the fact that um, we have to teach our children, thank you, right? From anyone, if, if someone gives them a gift, tell them to say thank you, say thank you. We're like, we're like instilling it into them, like yelling at them to say thank you. And I was having a really hard day. My son is two and two is really hard (laughs) for me, not for him Um, and for for him. But uh, we were having a hard day and you know, I was like, we're gonna go get smoothies, you know, a good healthy snack. And both smoothie places were closed in Pilsen. So we ended up getting ice cream instead, um, which was the better route. But we go to get ice cream and we're sitting there and he's just telling me how yummy in his tummy it is. And then out of nowhere, unsolicited, he goes, thank you, mommy. And I just, I mean, tears filled my eyes. I was like, I didn't even tell you. I didn't even tell you. And it was just such a blessing. I remember I was going to a friend's house after that and I told him, I was like, he just said thank you to me. And I didn't even have to ask him. And um, just realizing it's this culture that we have to build in our children, in our families, in our homes. But taking that a step further, it's a culture that Jesus had to build when he was here on earth. And 
I think when you look in the stories of the New Testament, it's story after story after story of gratitude, thanksgiving, and that's what we're talking about today, adoration, and um, specifically in the story of the 10 lepers today. But I think what's funny about Jesus is the culture that he was building was actually just himself. It wasn't even like a culture of thanksgiving. He was building a culture of Jesus. And that when we understand Jesus, we understand thanksgiving. And so to sum up my whole message in one sentence, to understand adoration means we understand Jesus. To understand Jesus means we understand adoration, that they go hand in hand. And we're gonna talk through that today. And we're gonna read out of Luke 17, 11 through 19, when Jesus cleanses the 10 lepers. So I'm gonna read this and then we're gonna get started. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were cleansed, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. There's nothing else we actually have to say thank you for other than just you. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for making us image bearers to, to represent who you are. And so, uh, Lord, I just pray that as we understand deeper what adoration means, Lord, would we actually live in this? Would we actually live this out in fullness? And so, Holy Spirit, would you just come and fill this room? Come and fill these words as we go forth. So, Lord, amen. So we're talking about the prayer of adoration. When we think of adoration, uh, we think of a lot of different things. Um, we adore everything in life, right? Uh, we adore ourselves. <laughs> we adore our families. We adore our spouses. We adore sports teams. Like we live in a constant place of adoration um, because essentially adoration is what our attention is getting. Um, it's the very first thing when we wake up what we're thinking about. For most of us, it's probably social media. Whoops. And it's the thing that is at the forefront of our mind at all times. Adoration is defined as the act of paying homage, uh, reverent homage or fervent and devoted love. One, one definition said it's the act of adoring. And I was like, that's not helpful right now. What does it actually mean? <laughs> um, but it, it really is something that we, we do innately. And so I think when we hear this word adoration, we're like, yeah, adoration. It means like our love, it means our devotion. Um, but I think what we're learning about today is, is very other. It's very separate and it's very uh, distinct. And um, Richard Foster, uh, he writes a book um, called Prayer. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, and he defines the prayer of adoration like this. For in adoration, we enter the rare field air of selfless devotion. We ask for nothing but to cherish him. We seek nothing but his exaltation. We focus on nothing but his goodness. In the prayer of adoration, we love God for himself, for his very being, for his radiant joy. And so I felt like that was another good, just like nugget of, if that's all you leave with today, that that's what adoration is. It's actually about nothing about us, nothing about you, and it's everything about him, then that's enough. 
Um, so our text reveals how to get to this place of uh, adoration with Jesus. And I'm a very, if, you, if you've had any conversations with me, you know I'm a very linear person. Like I'm like A, B, C, one, two, three. It's hard for me to get out of that. And so um, as, I, as I speak today, um, the story was revealed to me in that same way. And so my, my three points, I know I always make fun of JP that he hangs on to point one for a long time. I'm getting through all three points, people, okay? I have to because literally point three is like where it's all at. So just keep me just tracking if I, if I start just going on and on because I also ramble. 2020 made me a total voice memo person. How many people love voice memos? Come on. Right? It is the way of communication these days. You don't have to question tone, nothing. You can listen to it on your own, except when they just disappear. Like, why do you have to keep them? Can can they just stay there? Anyway, so I am a rambler, guys. So just, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Um, Anyway, adoration. All right, so adoration is what we get from this mighty example of the one, right? This story is about many things. I think this is where I was having a hard time even trying to to hear the voice of God on this passage is this story is about many things, many, many, many things. But today we're specifically just gonna talk about the adoration part within this one. But what led this one to adoration? What makes this one different than the nine? I think the nine get a little bit of a bad rap here because we're always like the nine just, they just kept on going. They just, mm, shame on them. Okay, they had just been healed from like a lifelong disease. They probably were like going to celebrate, right? And so I I don't, we're not gonna focus on the nine. We're gonna focus on the one, but I just don't wanna give the nine a bad rap here, right? I think um, it's easy to do that in scripture and I wanna be careful to not do that this morning and really just focus on how, do, how can we pull the nugget of gold from this one. And so when I look at the 10 lepers, when I think of their story and their journey, it all started with testimony. This is the only part of the story, this is what's kind of radical to me. This is the only part of the story where all 10 experience the same thing. As I journey through uh, this story, it it starts to differentiate itself. The first half is all about the 10, and by the end, it's really all about the one. And so adoration starts with testimony. Literally, it cannot happen. You cannot adore something you have not experienced, right? You can't can't have that like um, moment unless you actually like know it to actually know what's happening um, is what helps us to, to adore. And so this is, again, this is the only part where all 10 men did the same thing. And testimony, to even be put into a place of testimony, there actually has to be obedience. And so I think it's really, I think it's really funny. It says in the text, um, he saw them and said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Like there's no dialogue there. They're not like, wait a second, let's talk about that. Can you give me more clarity, Jesus, on on why you want me to go? They just went. They literally just turned around and started walking and they were cleansed. And my dad, um, I do this with my son now, but my dad when I was little, um, if I like fell down, if I was having a hard day, he would be like, have a sip of water. And I was like, okay. Okay, and it always made it better. (laughs) Guys, call it placebo effect, call it like holy water, I don't know what it was, but it always made me feel better. I was always always cleansed after it. Um, I do that with my son now, you guys will be with me, like he will have a hard fall, and I'm like, have a sip of water, and he's like, okay, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just waiting for the time that he's like actually hurt. And I'm like, it's a water, just water. Um, but, but I took my dad at his word. I literally took my dad at his word and it, and it worked, right, most of the time. And so these men, they took Jesus at his word. They all experienced testimony. But what, what was the difference? And I really started resonating on the word testimony. In our culture today, we, we use words like, what's your testimony? What's their testimony? Well, my testimony, and I do that. I don't think there's anything like inherently wrong with it, but I started really wondering what, what does it look like to have the testimony of Jesus? And I think that's what really shifted the one from the nine. They all had the same testimony, but one had the testimony of Jesus. Um, in the song that we sang in the beginning, I thank God, it's mine and Titus's favorite song currently. Um, but there's this end actually in the song and it's a spontaneous end to the song that the singer um, just starts declaring over the room. And, and he says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so, right, it's specific to the testimony of Jesus is the thing that actually sets people free because a testimony, I can have a testimony, but it won't actually do anything for anyone else. But the testimony of Jesus working in our lives, it's the thing that prophetically speaks over people to set bondage free. And so, you know, I think people get all hung up on this word like prophecy. Like, what is prophecy? It's literally the word of God. It's literally the testimony of Jesus. And so I, the first time I heard that, no, not the first time, because I listened to it often. And I was like, yeah, the testimony of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy. And then one time I heard it. Like, you know, when you like actually hear a song for the first time. And I was like, yes. Like, that's what that actually means to have the testimony of Jesus. And so again, all these 10 men, all had the same testimony. They're all walking, watching their skin be healed. I mean, guys, that's radical. That is wild. Leprosy was not something that you were just like healed from, right? It was something that actually pushed you outside of your community. You had no access to anyone other than the others with leprosy. It says they had to stand at a distance. They weren't even able to get close to Jesus. They were far from everyone. And so they all had this miraculous moment of healing they all shared in this testimony, but the one had the testimony of Jesus. And we're gonna talk a little bit later about what testimony looks like today. And at the end, we're going to have a salvation call because I think if you only have a testimony of healing, you're missing it. If you only have a testimony of what happened yesterday or what happened to your, to your brother or your family members, you're actually missing it because the testimony of Jesus is what actually saves us. And so this one, right, this one had the testimony of Jesus. He encountered Jesus as the redeemer, not just the healer. And so to actually step into a prayer of adoration, it requires a moment, a moment that reorients your voice and your heart. And this is, this is my favorite part of, of this passage. It says, as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, master of mercy on us. So they physically had to lift up their voice. That's, that's telling me that they were so far away that they actually had to yell at Jesus, that they actually had to lift up their voices a little bit louder, say, Jesus, have, have mercy on us, please. And by the end of this, it says, he came back praising God with a loud voice. 
And so for this one that actually experienced the testimony of Jesus, his adoration reoriented his voice. Adoration requires us to reorient our voice and our heart. We cannot, they, they cannot happen without one or the other. And so I love, I just absolutely love that there's this, there's this mighty shift that you see. You see a voice of misery to a voice of praise. And I think if we're sitting in this room and we still have voices of misery, there's something missing. The testimony of Jesus may not be there. And we're gonna get to that. We're gonna talk about this. But what happens in this moment is that the one man perceives with the eyes of his heart. And I think people get hung up on that. They're like, what do you mean my, my heart has eyes? I think our, if we're only seeing with our fleshly eyes, then we're really missing it, <laughs> right? The eyes of our heart actually um, help us see in the spiritual realm of what is actually going on. And so this man actually, the eyes of his heart, I almost imagine like his heart being like opened up to something brand new, right? That had never been opened up before. And so he perceives with the eyes of his heart that Jesus is not just a helpful healer. He's not just a saving redeemer. He's a good man, right? But he's the king of the universe, and so all the rest of the 10 men, like they, they obviously knew, right? Like they obviously knew to ask Jesus or else why were they doing that? Like word had gotten around already that Jesus was healing people. And so I can imagine that these 10 men were like waiting. They're like, we heard about this man. We don't know what he's all about, but he's about to heal us, right? So there was an expectancy. But for one, it shifted his voice. And we don't know, again, we don't know where the other nine went, where they're at today, where, what, what, or we don't know any of that. But we do know for this one man, it brought him back to a different voice. It actually made him turn around physically and with his voice to refocus his heart and mind onto the one that actually saved him. <laughs> I love it right after it says, now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered. And you're like, whoa, 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 what does that even mean? Like, why, why did you just have to like throw that in, here, in there? Like, now he was a Samaritan. Well, to be a Samaritan and to have leprosy, I was talking to Pastor Nick and I was like, what a bad like hand to be dealt. <laughs> like, not only did he have leprosy, but he was a Samaritan. And in that time, Samaritans were basically rejected from all communities. Like they had their own separate community because they were half Jew, half Gentile, which means neither party wanted them. No one wanted them. So now even Samaria didn't want them because they had leprosy. And I think what's beautiful here is Jesus didn't just reorient his voice in the spiritual realm, right? He came back and he, and he said, praise God, praise God with a loud voice. But he was a Samaritan. So that means Jesus healed someone that wasn't a Jew. It means that he healed someone with a deadly, awful disease that no one wanted to get close to. So he actually gave this man a voice, like a voice for the world now. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of, yes, like as Jesus, as we re, re, um, reorient our voice to Jesus, Jesus then reorients our voice to have a place in this world. And so this man that literally had no voice for anybody, for Jews, for Gentiles, I mean, for anybody, all of a sudden is now physically healed, has a voice of praise and has a voice to speak into other people. And so I think that's just a, a perfect picture of what the Lord wants to do, that it's, it doesn't just stop with your healing, but he wants to do more. He actually wants to use you. Like he wanted to use this one man's voice. And so I just wanna encourage you guys right now that if, if 
if the Lord has done a mighty work in your life, which he has in all of us, again, we're gonna talk about what testimony looks like today in our world. Like he wants to use you. Like you have, you have an actual calling on your life and, and I think that, that shows it right here, the fact that he would go so far as to, to heal a Samaritan and then the Samaritan chose to come back and use his voice. I think, you know, our voice is so important, the way we use our voice. And I love songs. I grew up in a house um, where we listened to all types of music, but my mom would a lot of the times play gospel music. And I'm one of those people that like, I will listen to like the first chord of a gospel song. And I like begin to weep and like, I don't even know why. Like no one started even singing yet. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. It's blessing me. And I, I, I resonated on it this morning because in trying to prepare for a place of adoration and to speak, every song I went to this morning was a gospel song. And I realized why. Most gospel songs never use the word I. It's always about adoration. It's always about lifting up a shout of praise. It's always about giving glory. And so I think, right, there's nothing wrong, but we always sing, we sing songs like, I need more of Jesus, I need more of Jesus. Actually, Jesus needs more of us. Like Jesus needs more of your voice. And I think often we're like, oh, Lord, I just need to like hear your voice. Where are you? And he's like, sing a shout of praise to me. Like that's what adoration is. Adoration is actually the very first part of our prayer journey and prayer life that actually opens up the ability to then hear his voice, but he needs to hear us. And so I was just, I was thinking on this morning of just, yes, like there's, there's an anointing on those, on those songs that have just everything to do with the glory of God. Worthy is his name. I thank God, right? Like actually focusing on who he is rather than on what we need or who we are. And so I think in, in chasing after, um, you know, trying to hear more of God's voice, I don't think we're ever gonna really fully experience um, adoration, which is intimacy, right? What the story shows is that breakthrough, healing, miracles are never the end, but they're always a means to worshiping Jesus. The man who was grateful for the miracle was led into an intimate moment of adoration with Jesus. And so kind of the Mecca of where I wanna stay today is adoration creates intimacy, or rather it should say, adoration is intimacy. Praise and adoration is truly an involuntary act of of utter awe. In verse 16, it says, he fell on his face, right? Like, I don't think he was like, I'm going back, I'm I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm just gonna worship him. Like, I think it was so instinctual where he was just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I'm being healed. He runs, he falls on his face because that's what adoration looks like. And in this story, right, all of these men, they're standing at a distance and they go. This one turns back. So not only did he and actually sees Jesus face to face, touches him, falls at his feet. And what a beautiful picture. And truly, I don't believe the presence of God is even available without adoration. And that's a hard pill to swallow, I think. That's hard to, I think, really to reckon with because God also is a God that wants to meet you in your misery and meet you in your, in your heartache. But at the end of the day, the presence of God is available when we start with adoration, when we actually come to him in a place of adoration. And prior to this passage, I was just listening to Luke 17 like over and over again on the audio. And um, the disciples were asking, it's the the passage of the um, faith like a mustard seed. 
And the disciples are asking for more faith. Literally, before Jesus goes into this whole thing about the mustard seed, they're like, Jesus, give us more faith. And I thought that was really comical because these dudes were walking with Jesus every day. They were in physical proximity. And I'm not trying to harp on the disciples. They were literally in physical proximity with Jesus. And they're asking for more faith. Why, what? They did, how, what do you mean they needed more faith? Where this one, right, was not walking with Jesus, didn't really know Jesus, has this immediate understanding and falls at his faith and is filled with faith from heaven for Jesus. And I understood the difference between proximity of intimacy, right? Like we can have proximity um, with Jesus and be intimate, but then there's a spiritual intimacy that has to happen too. And I'm not saying the disciples didn't understand that. I just think that when we understand that there's a spiritual intimacy that can take place, there's also that physical, the physical intimacy that follows that. And so, you know, I'm brought back to the garden even, right? So these, these disciples, they didn't um, they're, they're asking for more faith. And then Jesus goes and like heals men of leprosy. And they're like, got it, understood. We get it, understood, right? Like they see these men falling at the feet of Jesus or this one man. And again, like, why is this story important? Why do we have to even be taught this? Like, I, I kind of get mad that we have to actually take time like for myself, right? Even for myself to be reminded that I have to like, adore Jesus. It should just be this like automatic thing. But right in the garden, if you know me, right? Last Mother's Day, I literally spoke on the garden. I think like everything can be summed up if you just go to like the first three chapters of Genesis and you're like, that's the whole story. Okay, that's where we're at. Um, But they literally were living in complete adoration. Their Their whole world was an adoration consumed world. There was no sin to separate their intended human nature which was to glorify the name of God. Nothing to be caught or taught. They were actually walking with God. They had the physical proximity that the disciples had and the spiritual proximity that that one had. We now live in a world where we literally have to practice the prayer of adoration, which we're going into for our O groups. For Adam and Eve, it wasn't a prayer. It wasn't a practice. It wasn't a specific worship song. Living in adoration was their life. There didn't have to be a distinction. And and now, right, there's books on prayer. There's books on adoration. There's worship songs on adoration. We have to like remind ourselves it's because of sin. (laughs) Like that's why the fall happens. And we now have to live in this world where we constantly have to be reshaped and retaught culture and how to write the same way that I have to teach Titus when he doesn't say thank you for a gift. We have to be rebuked and corrected as people to go back to the father and begin our time of prayer and adoration. Jesus was offering the closeness of the garden, both physically and spiritually to that one. And the way he did that was through the healing. The other nine were so focused on being freed from X and Y that they didn't actually notice the healer and his power. And I think, you know, our expectations of Jesus, which we should, we should have expectations of Jesus, but our expectations of Jesus, I think sometimes cause us to go astray. I think it diminishes his glory, actually. Um, He's seen as a physician rather than just being a savior, provider rather than king. How many of you actually thank your doctors when you're given a test result? 
I don't. I expect them to do their job. I'm paying you. Uh, seriously, and it's wrong. We don't say thank you. We say this is, this is your job title, your physician. Can you like make me better? That's what we do. That's pregnant Rachel coming out. I'm sorry. Um, I told JP when he asked me to preach, I was like, I don't know if pregnant Rachel should preach. Some questionable things might come out. But um, we expect them to do their job. And I think that's what I'm getting at is our expectation of Jesus as only being a physician, only being a healer, only being a provider. So when he doesn't do any of those specific things, we no longer qualify him as savior. And so I think we have to be careful. We have to be careful of our expectations of Jesus. We should pray for healing. We should expect God to do it. But if our expectation ends there, it's gonna be destructive to our adoration and our prayer of adoration. Jesus' job wasn't to heal. Ooh, can I say that? It was to redeem, to restore what was broken in the garden. And the one caught that. He caught the culture that Jesus was building. And I don't, I don't wanna put a negative spin on we should be hopeless and like, don't pray for healing. I think some of us in our room are going, yeah, God hasn't done X, Y, and Z for me. I'm actually in a really dark place. And we read these stories and go, why can't I be the one? Like, Jesus, can you heal me from this? Can you provide this for me, please? Because Jesus does want to do, want to do that. I think what's hard to reckon with is the reason that Jesus had to do these healings at this point was because he was showing his glory and goodness as God in flesh so that all would believe when he went to the cross. And this is the part that I said that we were gonna get to what testimony really is. The cross is actually our testimony. And again, there are testimonies in our lives of healing and provision, and those are are powerful to share. We need to share the testimonies of what God is doing tangibly and physically in our lives. But if it's greater, if that small testimony, because it's small in the grand scheme of what happened on the cross, if that small moment starts to supersede the testimony of the cross and of Jesus, we're never gonna understand adoration. And so I'm here to tell you that you don't need another miracle or healing. The cross is enough. The cross already redeemed you. You have enough reason to praise and say thank you. Jesus doesn't actually need a reason at all. Um, When we actually catch the fullness of who Jesus is, we praise him for simply being him. There's nothing else. To learn the culture of adoration is to understand what that one understood. It underst- he understood his testimony. He understood that he, he needed a new voice and he needed a sustained intimacy with Jesus. And all those things brought him to that. I think immediately after the one came back to give thanks, he fell on his face, not because he was overwhelmed by the healing, but overwhelmed by Jesus. It no longer became about the healing. And so I, I think about that, I think about that picture, right, of this, of this one man. And I, I can, I can, almost hear him like turning back and the entire time going, Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. By the time he gets to Jesus, he's just like so overcome by glory that he just like falls at his face, right? And so like the thanksgiving turned into praise at that moment. The thanksgiving turned into adoration. And so it's not, it's not bad to meditate on, on the testimonies and what Jesus has done, but it should always lead us 
to the cross. It should always lead us to the testimony of Jesus first and foremost. And I think this is where I say, Pastor Jordan, you can now come up. (laughs) We were gonna try to play it by ear, but I don't know how to do that, guys. I don't play anything by ear if you know me. Um, (laughs) But this is where the process comes full circle, right? I said, I'm a linear communicator. I'm a linear processor. And so I think of things in a very orderly way. And so what does this actually look like for our prayer time? What does this actually look like for you starting today, starting tomorrow? It first starts with the meditation on testimony, specifically the testimony of Jesus. It then should reorient and recenter our heart from meditation to praise. And the submersion of the heart into God, then losing ourselves in him, learning to adore him just for simply being him. And so it goes from testimony to voice to intimacy. And so that is this beautiful order. And so that's why there's so many times where Pastor Jordan and the team will be up here and he'll just say, just say, thank you, Jesus. Just say, thank you. Because that's actually this beautiful like key in our, in our, in our hearts that I think open up the floodgates to everything else that Jesus wants to share with you right? You're going to hear that the tone of God's voice when he hears the tone of your voice. And so what does that look like? Testimony enables us to have new eyes, a new heart and voice, and it allows us to be intimate with Jesus. This process isn't just for this one individual. It's for all of us today, for every single one of us. And so I told, there's multiple points in this where I was working on this with my, with my husband and, and Pastor Nick. And I was like, well, we have to do a salvation call because if people don't actually understand the testimony of Jesus, then we're gonna have like a beautiful time of worship right now and it's gonna fall flat. <laughs> because we, we can't just have a testimony of what Jesus did yesterday. And I know I already said that, but if there's something that has happened beautifully in your life. Testimonies of healings, of provision, of marriage, whatever it might be, of children, all of that, those are great. But I wanna pause for a second. And if the testimony of Jesus, of the cross, of his saving grace and power is something that you don't understand and you don't know yet, I wanna take care of that today. And I want to, to pray through that moment first. And so with all heads bowed, If there is anyone that wants to receive Jesus, the testimony of Jesus today, would you just lift your hand up?